Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Marilyn Mar Johnson, who's the Executive Vice President of Salazar Resources. They're an Ecuadorian gold copper focused explorer listed on the TSX Venture Exchange. Now, we are interested in talking to these guys because they're quite an interesting business model and approach to exploration in the region. They've done a farm out of their main project, which they've got a 25% carry on. It also brings in an income which allows them to develop their own exploration play. We talked to them about the three targets that they're looking at and which ones they're going to focus the time, efforts and money on. We've actually compiled a report and if you're interested, you can find that on crux-club.com. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Marilyn. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. How are you? About locked up at home, as I see you are. Yeah. Yeah, enjoying it? Uh, it has its advantages. The children are back at school, so they're all logged on. So if the Wi-Fi goes down, I know that one of them started gaming. Right. <laughs> That's a control mechanism. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Well thought through. I think I may experience the same problem, not to mention various animals running through the house, so uh, bear yeah. with me as well. Um, well, good speech to you. So we, we, we've been spoken for a few months, uh, and obviously the world's a very, very different place, so I think it's worth catching up, not to mention we've um, recently done a little bit of analysis. We've used you as a guinea pig, Merlin. We've used Salazar as a guinea pig um, okay. to try and help people understand so South American explorer type stories. So um, it'd be great to sort of catch up with you to be able to sort of see uh, if indeed we're close to being correct. Um, but first of all, let's kick off with a one minute overview for people new to this story and then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Uh, Salazar Resources is an Ecuadorian company uh, listed on the TSXV. Uh, it has made a big discovery of a very rich VMS um, and it has farmed out uh, a stake in that, so it's fully carried all the way through the production, but it's kept its exploration roots intact, and it's an exploration company that's well-funded, that gets a little bit of income from its uh, joint venture partner, and it aims to make the next big discovery in Ecuador. Okay, th thanks for that. So like I said, yeah, we, we've, we've done a, we produced a report recently, which is just to kind of help kind of wade our way through the masses of exploration stories out there and trying to find points of differentiation. And I think why we, you know, picked on you guys as it were is because when we spoke before, there were a couple of things I liked. I liked the newness of Ecuador and the fact that the big boys are piling in there because it's a much uh, underexplored uh, country. Um, but the second thing was you get an interesting business model. And if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind going through that uh, with some people. So can you just tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of background about what you've done, because there's a kind of farming component to it, plus this exploration component. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, some of these companies have a classic project generator model um, that you find something and you work it up the value curve and then you farm it out and you have a retained interest and you get some cash from that. Um, Salazar Resources has actually been listed for 13 years. Uh, and it set out as kind of a, a pure exploration company. It made the one discovery and it worked it up, got it into um, indicated resources, got a very advanced stage and then has done the farm out. So on that farm out, we've got a 25% stake carried all the way through to production, but we also get um, advanced payments through royalties and management fees, which ticks us over with about $600,000 a year. So we've got income from that asset we also got some drill rigs which can we can um 
which we're using on those joint venture properties, actually three projects that we've um, farmed out, and that provides us with income as well. So as an exploration company with about a million dollars of income, we can then fund the early stage value accretive work, which is a lot of the expertise of our Ecuadorian geology, um, our, our Ecuadorian exploration team, that's a very low cost, um, but high value point. You know, you, you spend a, a million dollars and you can make a big discovery. So we're actually using the money from the advance payments, management fees, to turn it into the next discovery. Okay, so, so let me drill down on, on that. So the who are the farming partners? And and if you could, so give, it gives us a sense of their capability or ability. I mean, are they desperately scrabbling around looking for money or are they fully funded to do what they need to do? Our farming partners are Adventist Mining and they set up in 2016, maybe 2015 as a special purpose uh, vehicle looking for zinc and copper assets uh, backed by an a list of um, um, investors and shareholders. So they've got Altius, um, Altius behind them. They've got um, wheat and precious metals. Uh, and, uh, there's a big group out of Ecuador called the Nobis Group. They've got RCF. You know, it's an extraordinary shareholder list backing Adventist Mining, which is a um, at the moment kind of Ecuadorian focused. Uh, they're not in production yet, but they've got very good access to capital. Okay. So they've done very well raising money for the, the joint venture. And actually, the I think a key point for Salazar is that because we've managed our treasury very well, and because we've done the farm out, we haven't had to issue equity. So we're kind of a, a dilution protected uh, vehicle. We haven't actually issued equity since 2014. Yeah, no, I, I noted that. No, but. And we'll come on to that in, in, in a bit. But what exactly have they bought into? You know, why did they pick your asset above, you know, others which may have been available to them given the capital that they've got? Uh, well, I think one of the key reasons is that El Domo, which is the name of the um, the deposit within the bigger Curipamba project, this is in um, central Ecuador, just south of Quito. Um, it was a discovery made by Salazar, and it's one of the richest volcanogenic massive sulfides in the world discovered in the last kind of 10 years. A, a really good analog is uh, the Degrissa deposit in uh, Australia, which Sandfire resources have. Now, when they made that discovery, their share price went from $0.07 cents to $7. And they're now um, mining that company. And they've taken about $2 billion of revenue out of that asset. Their market cap, even with the 50% uh, drop they've had in the in the last couple of months is still around four, $500 million um, US. And, you know, it's th these assets can be the cornerstones for really big companies. But why do you say that? Like I, I, I got to interrupt you there. You, why are you making that comparable? You know, you know where they are and where you are is, is, is miles apart. So in what way is it comparable? Um, their maiden discovery was 7 million tonnes at 4.6% copper and 1.8 grams gold. It then grew into 14 million tons and um, it's around 5% copper with about um, two grams gold. The, the, on, a, on a recovered value basis, their ore is worth about today, $280 a ton. Our asset is 11 million tons um, and it's running about 5% copper equivalent and our ore value is about $260 per ton. You know, we've got copper, um, gold, uh, zinc, lead, and silver. 
in ours. They've just got copper and gold, but the value per tonne is roughly similar. Our sizes are roughly similar. There's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, it, the, the average grade of copper mines in the world today is around 0.5%. Our copper equivalent grade is 5%. That's an order of magnitude. That's 10 times higher grade than anything else. The economics on that deposit are stunning. And as a company, Salazar Resources, with a market cap of $15 million today, uh, is fully carried on 25% of that. We don't have to issue a single share to get it into production. We don't have to invest a single cent. We're fully carried to production. Which is fantastic. The fully carried, I was actually going to get on to it, so you've answered my question. You've stolen my thunder, Marilyn. Um, so you're fully carried and they're paying you money, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. You said they haven't started, well, where are they at the moment and when do things get moving? You know, when can you, the Salazar, expect to start seeing some value accretion for your share of this? Okay, um, <clears throat> Salazar Resources, because it's been an Ecuadorian company, it's run by Freddy Salazar. Uh, I'm the only gringo in the team. Uh, they're all based in uh, Quito. They, they haven't done a, uh, over the 10 years that they've been listed. Remember, it's been a downturn in the uh, in resources sector for most of that time. They haven't been pounding the streets, telling the world what a great asset they have. So it's a slightly forgotten, slightly overlooked asset. Our liquidity is poor, but equally our... Um, our value doesn't really reflect what we've got in the portfolio. Uh, the, the project is at a PEA stage. Well, we did a PEA about a year ago. We've gone through metallurgy. We're going to complete the feasibility study uh, in 2022 and aim, <clears throat> sorry, late 21, and aim for production in 2024. That's when the Ecuadorian government is expecting us to be in production. Um, Adventus is in a real hurry to get in production. They want it to happen. Um, so production, they, they're probably aiming for late 23, but 2024 is a more realistic um, timetable. I think the, the key thing about, you know, you ask about when are we going to start accreting value or is when is value really being recognized? Um, I think once we've got a mining permit and a feasibility study, then people will sit up and realize, well, hang on, this is a, this is a degrusser. This is a Sandfire Resources lookalike. This is, shouldn't be worth, you know, the the, the, P, the NPV on the PEA was $300 million. And um, our 25% of that is whatever you want to call it, $70 million or $75 million worth. Okay. And versus our market cap today of 15. Exactly, which is, you know, what was it, point, point 0.2? Point 0.2 of now, yeah. Which is... Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it seems, it's, seems ludicrous in, in, in a way. It's, it's ludicrous just on the value of Eldoma, but the, actually, um, Eldoma is the value case for the company. It's, it de-risks your investment. But what you would want to get invested in Salazar Resources for is the fact that we are Ecuadorian and that we're explorers and we're going to find the next the next deposit. We'll, 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 we'll come that's on to the it. Exciting we will come on to it, but I think you're, you're being valued at the moment on... on that 25% free carry on Eldomo, okay? So I just want to just dig down a little bit, a little bit deeper on that one. So um, these guys are fully funded, uh, delivery 2024 into, into production 2024. Um, they're they're about- they're, they're, they're not fully funded. They, they were fully funded. They have to keep issuing equity, but they've got, they've got very supportive shareholders. Sorry, bad phrase from me. They, they have got the ability to, I meant, I was referring to their shareholder base and the expectation yeah. that they could carry on funding themselves without yeah. 
coming against difficulties in the marketplace. Um, which is so. Thanks, thanks for clarifying that. But I, I want to. I want to talk about you know where value creates for them because if that PEA stage is MPV is nearly three hundred. Once they get into DF, a PFS feasibility study and a DFS, one would expect that to continue to gain in value. Typical Lasson curve type structure, right? And for you too, you're going to, you, you would hope to see that. But at the moment, if I'm looking at your share price, it's fairly static. It's fairly flat, um, non-dilutive for many, many years, which is fantastic. And you know, from what you're saying, the money that you're bringing in um, should allow you to do quite a bit. Um, now it's probably time to talk about some of the things that you are going to do to try and drive some kind of value which people recognize and hopefully reflected in your share price, which is the exploration assets that you've got and that you're working on. Can you give people a quick rundown of the, I think you've got three at the moment, but one which you're focusing on in particular? Yeah, um, smaller companies typically really only get the value when there are kind of good catalysts, as you say. Um, and the best catalyst is mineralized drill core and when, when the market can see that you're on a growth story. So discovery and drill out, that's the most exciting and that's when you get a rocket fuel share price and that's that's tremendous. Now, um, we've got, in Salazar Resources, we've got three kind of main exploration licenses that are 100% owned by us. Uh, we've got one in the north, which is a uh, copper porphyry, um, sorry, it's, it's, it's a porphyry system, but actually it's gold rich. Um, and that's kind of a gold target with copper associated with it. And that's right up next to the Sol Gold, uh, Yuri Magua, um, kind of the big deposit up in the north. Right down in the south, we've got a another VMS target, and that's just over the border from some fantastic VMSs in Peru. Um, and our assets in Ecuador. And then we've got another gold, copper gold asset in um, south central Ecuador next to the Lumina Gold Congrejos deposit. Can you just quickly explain for people what VMS is? Because some geologists love it. I, I, I like those types of deposits, but not everyone understands what the potential there is. So maybe if you just give us a quick overview. Okay, a VMS is a volcanogenic massive sulfide, and they form at the um, on the sea floor when the, um, the the ocean floor is spreading and you get hot vents coming up carrying minerals, they hit the seawater, um, they cool down and they deposit. And um, uh, they f you get circulating hot water and lots of fluid flow. And these things occur in little pods along the, um, the structure on the base of the, the ocean floor. So where you get the, kind of the, the quasi rift or the faulting system, you can get uh, lots of these pods. Typically, they are very high in value and they're normally quite small. So you get clusters of them, they're typically two to three to five million tons. Um, and in the, every cluster you get a bigger one and it's 10 million tons or 20 million tons or 30 million tons. Um, Rio Tinto down in um, the, 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 on the Iberian pyrite belt they're called, down in Southern Spain, that's where all the, um, there's a whole series of these uh, VMSs. Rio Tinto got started on one. Um, Agnico Eagle, um, Kid Creek, uh, that's a VMS. Uh, Lundin Metals up in Sweden, they got um, going on a VMS. Now, they, they can be company makers. And the reason why they are um, so attractive is because they are high grade, 
and relatively compact. And so they're absolutely ideal for a starter company to get going, Sandfire in Australia, the DeGrusser deposit. They're not, they don't require a huge amount of infrastructure. They're a small, compact, high-grade deposit that really helps you um, get started as a mining company. Um, and, and, and that's why they're liked. Okay, so got to got to deal with this. So Eldomo took a while to kind of work up and get into that kind of farming position. It, the potential here is to kind of replicate that model, keep replicating that model. You know, find assets, work it up to a point. You bring someone in who's got cash to be able to develop it and get some free carry on it. Nice model, lovely model, but yeah. it takes time, and there's no real blue sky blue sky for you in terms of the you know upside potential. You're kind of almost restricted by whatever deal you can construct. So um, can you just help me understand what you're going to do with the money that you have? I get that it's non-dilutive, which is you know great for shareholders, does cause problems with liquidity, I think, in, in the way that you've got things um, set up. But we'll discuss that in a sec. Um, what do you do with your three, three and a half million bucks between now and the end of next year with, uh, with exploration? And how do you work out which one to focus on and which ones to potentially farm out? Okay, well, just on the farm out question, the, the, the landscape in Ecuador has changed enormously. So uh, because they've reformed their mining code and because they really need their mining industry to develop, it actually is a, um, they prioritize it as a strategic industry. The oil price uh, collapse has meant uh, that they weren't getting paid from the oil industry anyway, and now they're getting even less. So they're really pushing the mining industry. Um, and the world has woken up to that fact. And so there, it's a very competitive landscape in uh, Ecuador. And we are being called up the whole time with people wanting to do farm, um, farming deals to get access to our expertise and our land positions. So the ability to do a farm out is completely different now to what it was five years ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. What do you mean by that? That there are people willing to do uh, farming deals now, whereas they weren't two years ago or five years ago. But but not in the sense that the the, the type of deals that you do they haven't changed. It's just that the the number of people inquiring has increased. That's what you mean. Uh, the terms of the deals are better, and also they're willing to come in and pay for much earlier stage assets. So the the, the farming deal that we did on Eldomo Kurupamba was on a well defined resource. Yeah, we'd been drilling it for seven years at that stage, or six years. It was indicated and inferred resources about to go into PEA stage. And we did a value accretive um, farm out deal at that stage, but we've now got people looking to do farmings at a very early stage on our exploration portfolio, which are essentially um, grassroots in the sense that we've got drill targets, but we haven't drilled them yet. Now, as I said, Exploration companies really get the rocket under their share price when they have a growth story that they can follow on a 100% basis. And we will keep our best asset or what we think is our best asset um, for ourselves so that we can drill it and report those results. Which, which asset of your three is that? Well, there's a slight uh, discrepancy within the team, which is our best asset. And so we've got to do a little bit of work first to work out which is our best asset. Freddie Salazar, great geologist, are you know, the CEO of the company. He really likes Ruminiari up in the north. He's said he's got a um, there's one hectare area where he's, in all the outcrops he's seen, he says it's about an average of two grams gold with 0.2% copper. 
he said this is a, a really big and rich gold target. He's seen the alteration up at Cascabel, the sole gold asset, and he's seen the alteration in the veining in our area. And he says he prefers ours and he wants to drill that as a priority and we'll be drilling. We will be drilling that later this year. Okay. So that's got all the potential to be the company number one. The one I'm uh, quite keen on is the one down in the south, Makara. Um, it's the VMS target. It's got a lovely gold cap. Um, the beauty about those gold bearout caps is that it's often oxide gold. Uh, so it's free milling, very low cost operating. Um, when I was down in the, I was at a conference, one of the old timers from who'd been working in Peru came up and he looked at our licenses and he said, wow, I like those. He said, that gold cap, he said, I reckon you've got half a million ounces of three grams a ton, maybe three and a half grams a ton there. And I was like, well, okay, that's a nice compliment. Um, and he says, you've got all the indications of a VMS body underneath as well. I can't tell whether you're on the edge or on the top of it, but you need to do gravity. Uh, you need to do a gravity survey. And it's the classic thing for VMS deposits. You have to do, or you don't have to, but the best way to find these things is to do gravity surveys. So that means that Makara is running actually behind Ruminyawi. So the one up in the north, we can go straight in the drill. While we're drilling that, we can do the gravity survey and then come back into a Makara. Okay. And with those, we can we can afford to do both of those. And at that point, farm out the one that we want to take on. Okay, so you, that, that process will, what, between now and the end of this year? Or will it take a bit yeah. longer? You, by the end of this year, you'll make a decision. Uh, <clears throat> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, um, the the field teams are at the moment kind of getting ready to go back into uh, Ruminiawi. Freddie is on the um, the phone all the time with the landowners. He's actually, he owns some of the land at Ruminiawi. Um, one of the reasons he's so keen to get in there is that when he first went there 25 years ago, there were these massive blocks, 10 meter blocks of um, boulders, rocks, which have obviously not traveled very far. And he assayed them and they were running 20 grams gold um, two percent copper, right? That we, we should uh, get everyone's notice. Yeah. So sure. you know, he he's he's got he really likes Ruminio. He thinks he's got real potential. But um, getting the field crews back in, um, as I said, uh, mining is a strategic sector for Ecuador. We are being pushed to get back into the field. Obviously, with um, COVID uh, cons uh, concerns, we've got to do it in a very safe manner and not introduce you know isolation dealing with the communities, working that all out. But we're still looking at a plan to get into the field, uh, wrap up the final um, drill pads, get the water permits for drilling, and aim to be drilling kind of September, October this year. Okay, so I, you make an interesting point there in that um, Ecuador is a sort of relatively new version territory in, in, in many ways, um, although I do appreciate Freddy's of ex Newmont and has been working there for 20 years, but, it, but in the sense where it, there hasn't been a lot of money piled in. The government is encouraging and wanting people to start mining for revenue reasons, but there are some groups who are anti-mining in the country um, who are you know, either looking for you to stop or looking for assurances about the way that mining is carried out. So the government's going through some, some kind of assessment at the moment. I mean, what can you tell us about where that is and what it may involve? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, Ecuador is an amazing country and the mining industry has really struggled to get going there. And it's for a whole host of reasons. Some of it is political. It's, it's historically a very socialist um, uh, government, which has been kind of, kind of anti-mining. Uh, it's had a very pro 
uh, environment and tourism and ecological uh, bent to the politics. Um, the, the local communities, the indigenous communities uh, are anti-mining, they're pro-tourism. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been tough going and um, in the past they have put on windfall taxes and all kinds of things to almost inhibit mining. The great turnaround, should we say, came around in about 2010 when the socialist government uh, realized they couldn't afford their, uh, their welfare programs, they couldn't afford their investment into social infrastructure, uh, education, you name it. And looking around at what uh, sector could provide the funding for those, the, the societal, the country level investment that was required, the only thing that could could work was mining. You know, oil was ex-growth, and they'd done these very bad loans to the um, to the Chinese uh, oil for for cash. Uh, agriculture was ex-growth. Uh, it's also a dollar-based economy, so it's quite uh, hard to compete with Peru or Colombia or Bolivia for um, coffee or cocoa. Um, tourism was ex-growth. And then the, rip, the final kind of realization was that actually there is already mining in Ecuador. There's a lot of illegal mining. There's a lot of environmental degradation. And um, so the choice was between good mining and bad mining. And if you can get good mining, which is well-regulated, safe, um, properly done, and it generates tax dollars and foreign exchange earnings for the country, so much the better. Now, that's all the positive. The negative is that you've got a community that doesn't really understand mining, or if it does understand mining, it's bad. It's kind of criminal enterprises, it's environmental degradation. There's a great deal of fear in the local communities about mining. And you've got a couple of very, very vocal anti-mining protesters calling for referendum and um, referenda the whole time. So it's one step forward, half a step back. But you guys, I, I read something that was quite interesting. I mean, I like football. I think a lot of people like football. Um, most of South America likes football. But you guys, I think Freddie has started an initiative which seems to be growing. Personally. I'm not quite sure whether you're going to be a mining company or a football uh, company uh, team because um, you've created this kind of, um, what are they, I've forgotten the, the name. Of, what's, what's miners in, in Spanish? Los Mineros. Los Mineros, there you go. The Los Mineros program, which is about building out these uh, local you know, football teams who you know, play in leagues and so forth. I guess that's not just for the love of football, but to help spread and educate um, the right way to go about mining and why it is a positive or could be a, a force for good. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Because I, I kind of, I've only seen bits and pieces, but it, it seems quite Yeah, yeah, impressive. sure. I mean, um, Freddie's Ecuadorian. He's, he's from the communities. You know, the, the El Doma project was discovered by one of our best geologists who lives in the town nearby. You know, we're not a foreign company coming in to kind of plunder the riches of, of, of the empire. Hmm. Um, it, it's a very Ecuadorian company with a focus on developing the community and, and, and working for the benefit of Ecuador. And Freddie has got a real knack for knowing what is gonna work in which area. In some places it's a cattle project, in other places it's a coffee project. And around El Domo, he felt that there were two things that would work really well. One was um, a dance school with local cultures, and the other was this football that. team. Mm. And the, um, the football team, he sets up these little community academies. So both for um, uh, male and female, boys and girls, uh, they come through and there's there's training, there's football, 
Um, and he's funded also a the state football team in Bolivar State, which didn't really have a football team. He's called it Los Mineros. And all of the little community um, football teams in the areas where we're working can feed players through to the um, kind of the central academy. Okay. And we're putting some money into that central academy and it's going really well through the um, kind of through the leagues, through the divisions. Yeah. And what we're, we're, we're speaking to some other um, mining companies. We hope that they'll take us up on it, but we're looking to offer them our template so they can set up their own little um, football academies in the regions where they're working and that can all feed through to the mining football team which of course helps a country realize that actually here we go the miners are a, a real deal as a kind of a cultural um, force for good no I, th I thought it was a very interesting way to do you know because normally you read it's the same old thing you know we we've built a school it was great built a school but then walked away we built a well and then we walked away but there's a kind of there's a real kind of legacy component i know i really i really liked it i thought it was a very attractive way of of doing doing it and enabling the mining community because you're opening it up to you know other mining companies uh, in the in the region uh, in the country to be able to tell and sell the same story there's one quite cool uh, thing is that uh uh, Ecuador played England in a World Cup match in the 90s. I remember, yeah. Uh, and the goalkeeper, yeah. who the Ecuadorian goalkeeper from that game is actually from, um, he's actually from a town near us. It's, no, he's not one who got shot. I think that was a Venezuelan, wasn't it? Or Colombian. The Scorpion. Um, the guy who did the... He... Oh, the Scorpion King. No, that's a Colombian. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. No, he, yeah. I think he died. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, okay. right. Um, but the Ecuadorian goalkeeper who played against England lives in our lo in the town local to us, and actually a couple of communities away, which has traditionally been a very anti-mining town. Mm. Uh, he's joined Los Mineros as our kind of coach well, and good. also as our um, goalkeeper, and he's really interested in mining. So it's it's a it's a nice kind of full circle thing. He's he's an ex-national player playing for Los Mineros. He's I think he's. Um, in his 40s now, but he's kind of oh, so old, so old, so old. <laughs> right. Well, we better get back to how you're going to make money for shareholders, because one of the things I talked about earlier was this liquidity issue, which I think um, is problematic uh, for small companies where there's lots of shares are held by management or insiders uh, or even large institutions in some cases, and they're not they're not fully traded. Um, what are you going to do about that? Well, what can you do? All you can do is uh, tell the story, get out there and um, deliver results. You know, there's, there's the only two things you can do. You can communicate what you're doing and the value proposition, and you can get out there and uh, return results. So uh, that's what we've got to do. And we'll, we, we'll be drilling at Room in the later this year. We'll be um, pulling samples and maps and uh, targets out of uh, Makara, the, the VMS project in the south. We're applying for new licenses. We've got our eyes on, um, because we're Ecuadorian, we've got our eyes on some of the best ground in Ecuador. Um, and ongoing projects, ongoing work at um, with our joint venture things. What I haven't said is that Eldomo is the one that's going to um, feasibility. Uh, that's the VMS. But Adventists are also drilling a couple of big porphyry targets, and we'll be drilling those this year. So we've got that's funded drilling that would also generate value and results for us later this year. So we've got five or six projects which we'll be drilling this year 
for advancing this year, plus the main one, which is going through to feasibility. Okay, Moreno. Well, I think we'll leave it there because I, I mean, like I said, we've we've done a, done a, this an analysis or appraisal of your of your company. It was um, really just a case of helping us kind of wade our way through the you know many many South American <laughs> junior explorer stories which we get on our desk every day, and uh, this did stand out for all the right reasons. Um, I think, like I said, I do think my concern is like if people are interested in you that. It, it's going to be difficult to get hold of shares because it, people there's not that selling going on. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these results and if they're going to make a difference in the market in terms of these catalyst events. I'm looking at your right, face. Do you I, think they will? Well, can I just chip in with a couple of extra comments? One is that the um, the risk reward profile of exploration companies is always quite scary. You, know, you hope that they're going to find something, but you're never sure that they are going to. Now, the, the, the kind of the value proposition that I see in Salazar Resources is that we've already found something and it's not in the price. And it's marching up that value curve as it goes towards production. So we know that the share price for Salazar is going to gradually reflect that stake in El Domo. It might take six months, it might take a year, but the value is much closer to $1 than it is to 20 cents. And that is the kind of return that you want to be looking at as an investor over a year or two. And then we've got the kind of the, the spice or the excitement of this great exploration portfolio with a team of proven geologists who know how to operate in Ecuador in one of the most fertile geological districts in the world. You know, that gives you the real excitement on this exploration story. Now, when it comes to liquidity and can you buy the shares, the company has been listed for 13 years. It's got 50% of the shareholder register, which is very tightly held, but the other 50% has been relatively, um, perhaps relatively tired, having held it on for a number of years. Liquidity will come, you know, get out there in the market, bid for $100,000 worth of stock, and you'll see that the liquidity will come. It might not be at 17 cents, but it might be at 25 cents. The key thing is that I'm pretty sure that liquidity will be there. And as you approach the, the right valuation point, that liquidity will come back. We'll leave it there. Thanks. So like, um, we should stay in touch, please, because I think you've got a lot of um, things which are important that are coming up once we get through this kind of COVID-19 you know, lockdown that we're in. Um, like I say, pick up the phone, let us know what's going on, because uh, it's one of our favourite South American junior exploration stories now. Now we've spent a lot of time on it um, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.